Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of the Top 250 Podcast. I'm Sam Kane, and today our movie is Forrest Gump. Another great movie from 1994 that seems like it's aired every weekend on TV since it's left theaters. Today my guest is someone I grew up with beyond the background at our house a lot growing up. This is uh, my sister Annie. Annie, how's it going? Going well. I'm excited to talk about this movie today. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like sometimes we'd be paying attention to it. Other times, I feel like we'd be multitasking and we would just have it on the background. Yeah. Do you exactly? Rem- I feel like the first time I saw it was when I was really young. I don't know how long it's been since I watched it through, and I watched it through again. And you know, it's just such a good movie. And I forgot about all the celebrities that Forrest runs into and all the historical references in the movie. So it's really cool to rewatch it. Now, going like looking at uh, Jenny's tombstone. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert right there. But uh, <laughs> we're assuming you've you've seen it on one of the. Uh, thousands of times millions at this point millions of times it's been on television um she was born in 1945 it says so forrest i i'd say he's around like seven years old maybe in the start of the movie so i'd say it takes place from 1952 up until 1982 which is when jenny passes away so it's like 30 years of historical references it was so interesting and one of the things that i forgot when i was re-watching it was that you know he's telling a story the whole time he's just sitting on a bench and talking to strangers and some of them were interested in what he was saying and some of them weren't yeah i was surprised that people would actually listen to what he says and not think he's crazy like even some of the nicer people but I guess back then, uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's like the 80s or late 70s when he's sitting on the bus bench. He, uh, I mean, people didn't have cell phones to kind of just look at when they were bored or didn't have headphones to, to put on to <laughs> ignore people like we do in New York. Um, so they were just like, oh, I don't have anything to do anyways. I'll listen to this guy. But uh, yeah, people were people were super nice. I remember Dad would always say Tom Hanks was such a shoo-in for this part. I guess he was. I mean, I can't imagine another actor really doing the role. I mean, this is 1994. I mean, like, who else were you going to have than, like, Christian Slater doing it? Yeah, I mean, he definitely plays the part well. And, I, you know, I noticed that more, I guess, when I'm rewatching it. Because when you're a kid watching it, it's just a lot different. And then you rewatch it and you see you know, how the acting is and, you know, more of the storyline. It's just, you know, I think he did a great job. He was perfect to pull off this role. I mean, so anyways, this was directed by Robert Zemeckis. He also did the Back to the Future trilogy, if you've seen that. And later on, he did the Polar Express, which has Tom Hanks in it. So were there any parts you completely forgot about? Because there were a few for me. There were, there were a lot. A lot of, I, I didn't remember a lot of the movie. Like, I kind of knew the storyline, but I completely forgot um, the part where he runs into Elvis, who's staying at his mom's um, house. 
And, you know, it's just little things like that that make the movie so unique. It's like, how many people did he coincidentally run into and all the presidents that he met? Um, it's almost like we, we really buy into this world quickly. It, the, be, the best way I could describe this movie is uh, just charming absurdity. It, we, we know it's not supposed to be real life but it's reflecting uh, events that really happen. But we, we go along for the ride, and I think that Elvis scene you mentioned was perfect in, in setting, setting the tone of what this movie's going to be. It's like, it's so, it's so ridiculous that Forrest is <laughs> the one who teaches uh, Elvis to do the dance, I forget what that specific dance is called, the famous Elvis dance, but it it's just like, oh, okay, this is what the movie's going to be. It's going to be, like, stuff like this. And, of course, the pacing, it's just so well done in this movie. It knows what scenes to really pause for. It keeps things moving. I mean, as soon as uh, Forrest is done with college, he's literally going off to the military it cuts to him <laughs> on the bus for the military and it's like oh wow that was quick all right moving along well, here i think it was at his graduation where someone comes up to him and hands him a pamphlet to the military and then he's just going to the military it's <laughs> yeah like, it's it's super quick next. <laughs> yeah it's like oh okay uh force is going to vietnam now great <laughs> one part that i thought was so funny and Obviously, I didn't really pick up on it, I guess, when I was a kid, but when he was playing college football, and he would always keep running, so they, they were holding up the signs that said, run for us, and then at the end, stop for us, and just keep running out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then uh, you see it says, go Alabama in the audience in the first football scene, and then the second, it says, uh, either uh, run forest or go forest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that it's little things like that that, you know, I caught myself laughing and it was just funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely forgot that that Jenny's roommate was in the room when Jenny's uh, enlightening force, whatever you want to call it. Uh, oh, yeah, that was like a, a like a few second scene where it like goes on to the roommate. <laughs> yeah, you just see her under the covers like what is going on right now? <laughs> I and like when you're a kid, you're not, you don't really think much about that. But I guess when you're older, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then one thing I completely forgot about that that made me burst out laughing is um, when he's uh, meeting Jenny in Washington D.C. She's with the that uh, douchebag guy that um, she's with then, and Forrest mm -hmm. and him end up getting in a fight. Uh, around a bunch of political organizers, uh, <laughs> and when they all leave, Force uh, just announces to the room, "All right, I'm I'm sorry for interrupting your Black Panther party." <laughs> That's what he said. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was another part that I, in the beginning, when they were talking about how they named Forrest, and it was after a relative in the KKK. Yeah. So. That was, and I forgot about. I don't even remember that. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I, <laughs> I do. I did too. That I, I vaguely remember that from seeing it one time. But 
it, it didn't like stick with me. And watching it again, I was like, wow, that, that aged really poorly. Like, can you- Well, didn't, didn't the mom say something like, I'm naming you this because everyone makes mistakes or something or something along those lines. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, I don't think it was necessarily fondly looking at the KKK, but definitely not um like can you imagine like if they made the movie now and there was a writer (laughs) in the room telling the studio heads like all right so uh we're we're gonna name the protagonist after uh one of the founding members of the kkk (laughs) they'd just be like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. maybe maybe uh Maybe you can say his uh, grandfather was a bricklayer instead. uh... (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I I did forget, and I guess when I was rewatching it, I I remembered it a little bit, but how he was playing ping pong in the military. And another thing that I noticed a lot was like Forrest didn't care at all about money. And I, when his, when he came back home after winning whatever the ping pong championship, his mom wanted him to pose in a picture holding the ping pong paddle because they'd get $25,000. And he's like, you know, just kind of did it because his mom said so. But, he, you know, it was just one of those other interesting themes. And it makes you like Forrest more because he has so much money. Oh, and the, um, when he said his friend put the money into the fruit stock and it was for Apple. That that aged really well. I mean, even now, um, I mean, in 94, Apple was big, but, like, 10 years after this movie was made, like, the, the people that are really end up getting rich off of that are mega rich now. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and, like, and it was just funny how he calls it that. Like, he doesn't know what it actually is. But <laughs> even though he has like so much money obviously too from the um the shrimp boat um he just you know wants to mow lawns and live at the house he grew up in so it's just another one of those you know why can't we all be more like that and not care so much about money and just be happy with our life and how it is so you know it's it i was i found myself reflecting more watching it when i was older just on like who he is as a person and what he values, you know. Right. So because he's he's more closer in age to us now. Than yeah. And just the kids. fact that everything that, you know, if he wants to do something like have a shrimp boat or, you know, play ping pong or run across the country, he just does it. And I feel like so many times, like the biggest thing holding people back is just thinking that they can't do it. And that, you know, I can't do that, and, you know, and I just feel like he, he's just like, okay, I'll do it. Like, he doesn't care if anyone says that, oh, you're crazy, you're gonna, you're gonna get a shrimp boat, yeah, okay, good luck. And he's like, I'm gonna do it. So, it's just interesting. And then also, when he was on the talk show with John Lennon, yeah, I, I didn't remember that either, and I was like, oh... But it's also interesting how after he meets these famous people or celebrities, a lot of them, well, I guess the presidents, they were well-known, but he'll say after, like, 
And then a few years later, like John was shot or something, or the president, you know, and it's like, is Forrest Gump cursed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, was he, did he know before? <laughs> and then one of the things that I had to look up was, um, let's see, the Watergate scandal. Because I didn't really know that much about it. So I didn't really understand that scene where they had all the flashlights. And he calls and says, <laughs> you, you might want it to, you know, I think something's going on in this apartment <laughs> or whatever. And it was the Watergate scandal. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. it's really funny. Um, at, at the time, the um, effects were considered groundbreaking of him getting spliced into this footage of, uh, you know, with political figures and celebrities. And I'd say at some parts it still looks really good, um, but there's definitely <laughs> some scenes where you're like, ah, that looked a little unrealistic there. That, but... Uh, okay. For the most part, it, it holds up. It's not terrible. Well, I know for the part with Lieutenant Dan when he gets his legs cut off, they, they did a pretty good job of that, right? Because this this is an older movie. So those type of special effects making it look realistic was, you know, I can imagine pretty difficult. Yeah, they, uh, I think they put, they, they did like green screen kind of stuff. So they put a bunch of green on the actor Gary Sinise's legs and uh, yeah uh, how that works is anything that's green they can put something over it and it'll look like they're not there yeah it's interesting yeah it's pretty cool how they can do that um, I, I thought the child actor did a really good job as Forrest I, I don't think he the, both child actors did a great job I don't think they they get enough credit, really. Um, I wonder if they were in, or, or have they been in other movies since? Yeah, um, well, I'm not sure about Forrest, but I know Jenny has acted in other stuff. In fact, she was in the uh, first, well, I guess it's the only remake of the Halloween movies. She was in Rob Zombie's Halloween. She actually played Michael Myers' sister, which was oh kind of weird. Um but yeah, uh, the young force does a good job. I mean, just um, the funniest line I thought he had was like, "Oh yeah, there's the doctors say my back is as crooked as a question mark." <laughs> <laughs> that was, and also <laughs> the scene where he's running and he has the braces. Like obviously, that's one of the you know, most notable scenes where he's running, the braces come off, and Jenny's yelling, run for us, run. Um, it's just how the braces just, like, flop. It's just, I was like, oh. Yeah, then they cut to Forrest and Jenny in high school, and Tom Hanks is, like, in his late 30s playing a high school kid, but I guess uh, this is suspension of disbelief. Works, so. Well, Jenny, I, 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 she definitely had a different actor in the beginning, but was it the same woman that played her all throughout after high school? Because she definitely looks older towards the end. No, that that was the same actress, uh, Robin huh. Wright. Uh, Robin Wright Penn, she might have been back then. She was married to Sean Penn at one point. Um, but yeah, no, that was the that was the same actress. The high school girl was wow. uh, was Robin. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. They they did a good job like making her uh, look older, changing her hairstyles to reflect the the era. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely interesting, and it almost looked like she had like wrinkles or something <laughs> towards the end. Not not like a lot of wrinkles, but her face looked older. So they did a good job with that. Um, yeah, and I mean they don't they don't say specifically what she dies of, but I mean we're assuming it's AIDS, which would, oh, which would hmm. make sense since it was around the time it started. I, I I mean I can't I can't recall. I mean I just watched this two days ago, but as as soon as she said it was a a virus, a virus. That, that the doctors don't know much about, I was like, oh this this must be. See, I didn't. I didn't even know what it was, but that would make sense, I guess, at the time. I yeah, I guess it would, but at the same time, you know, she has a child with Horace, so. But but after after she sleeps with Horace, she she goes off again. So maybe maybe she like you know she did drugs, like maybe she used a needle or something. Who knows? Yeah. She had, and it was also kind of interesting looking at it through her perspective because she had kind of a crazy life. And it almost, you almost feel badly for her, even though she keeps leaving Forrest and, you know, she's, she was abused since she was a kid. And then she goes off and does all these different things from being a stripper to a waitress to. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the most, uh, emotional scenes that hits hard for me is when she returns to Alabama and sees her old house mm -hmm. for the first time and, like, and throws the shoes at it yeah and she's just throwing rocks at it um, I, I thought that was that was a really well done scene that, uh, I mean it's like one of those things where you don't have to show uh, too much but you just know like the kind of pain that's going through her head like as she's throwing rocks and stuff yeah one of my one of the scenes that got me emotional i was trying not to tear up was when forrest met his son and played by you know Haley joel i just feel like what it was played by Haley joel osmond oh uh, really emily osmond's brother <laughs> from uh well, it was just like I feel like a lot of people in that situation, if someone ran off with their kid and they just found out it was their child, they would get angry or, you know, upset. But he's just in awe. Like, this is, oh my gosh. Like, and, it, and it's just like his facial expressions and it's, and he's like, she's like, you can go over. And it's like, I mean, he sits down and asks whether he's watching on TV and it just like, really got to me it's like you know he's just such a kind-hearted person that you know he's not going to get angry it's like a gift that he has a child and i don't know that that scene really got me yeah no that that's so true he's uh oh god we all wish more people were like Forrest. <laughs> yeah exactly and that's what i kept noticing throughout this i'm like wow this is you know yeah maybe he has a low iq but he touched so many people's lives and he experienced so many different things and it's just like you know we all need to be a little bit more like that it's crazy 
So true. So uh, I just found this out doing research for this, and I'm shocked I didn't know this for all these years, especially being like a, a film student and everything. Um, this is based on a book. Um, it was published in 1986, and from what I, I mean, I've never read it. I mean, I just found out about it two days ago, but um, it sounds like the book isn't that great. I mean, the reviews I've read aren't the greatest. I mean, I guess um, he's Forrest is portrayed as more of a, a savant in the book. Uh, he and he does a lot of a lot more things than in the movie. And at one point, he goes to space. <laughs> he's an astronaut. <laughs> so. It, I mean, he's doing all this on top of what we see in the movies, so the, it's not as grounded in reality as the movie is, and even the movie's already a little absurd, but it's at least somewhat grounded. All right, so th this is crazy. They, and I just found out about this in an article uh, last year. They were going to do a sequel to Forrest Gump. But they scrapped it when 9-11 happened. So I'm pulling up the article here. I'll read it here. The screenwriter behind the 1994 film Forrest Gump has spilled the tea on what would have gone down the film's proposed sequel and why it was ultimately scrapped. In an interview with Yahoo Entertainment on Monday, Eric Roth, who wrote the screenplay for the Academy Award-winning film based on the 1986 Groom novel, said he turned in a draft for the sequel on September 10th, 2001. But on the day of the 9-11 attacks, Ross said he met up with Tom Hanks, who starred in the title role, and uh, Robert Zemeckis, the film's director, to commiserate about how life was in America and how tragic it was. And we looked at each other and said, this movie has no meaning anymore in that sense. And then I guess in that first draft he wrote, it had Forrest meeting OJ. No, he's actually, I'm reading the article here. It says he was in the back of OJ's Bronco. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, <laughs> that he s would be dancing with uh, Princess Diana as well before she died. It's, it's just one of those, like, what we discussed before, they couldn't have gone away with the stuff that they did in that movie now, because it's just different times are different. So it's, I mean, I would love, I would love to see a second movie, but it's understandable. And and you know what I think it is? I think it's the fact that there was less media. People knew about the events that happened. People knew what was going on in Vietnam. I mean, the of course the. JFK getting shot and everything. They only heard about it. They, I mean, nowadays, if something like that happened, there'd be people with uh, like all these different cell phone videos of what happened. Like we, we feel so um, connected to certain tragedies now, especially with technology advancing. Like, it, it, like I don't know. Imagine like the for force like staying inside during the coronavirus like it, i don't know it 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 would just kind of remind all of us like how, how sad a lot of uh things going on is
times. Yeah, and just, you know, how they're getting the news. They're all sitting in their living rooms watching TV or listening to radio, and it's just so different now. I, I mean, I, I don't have cable, and I don't, most of my friends don't either, so it's all social media or just scrolling through our phones. It's just, it's just such a different, different life now, so... say it, it it does it does uh it teaches you a lot about american history then and what was going on in fact we i remember in um my junior year my american history class we actually watched it in class over a couple days i mean that's like one of those um you know <laughs> days where the teacher has off but they're in school <laughs> Like where, they, where they put on a movie and they're just like, all right, just watch this. One um one scene I wanted to ask you about was the um like when they were doing the the hippies were doing like the protesting against the Vietnam War. Was the guy that went up there and was talking and told Forrest to get up there was he well known? I think he was. It and that is that's another thing I should have really looked into when researching this because I the the way they talk about him and like the fact yeah. that he's like swearing and everything like that it it gives me the impression that this was a uh, real person um, and also watching that scene just just that there was no and this is just how messed up today is that there's no like security like just seeing a crowd of that many people gives me anxiety now for so many different reasons like coronavirus or a shooting and it's it's just it's so different it's sad to just think about that that probably won't ever happen again not not like that maybe not a different world it's it's so different it's going to take a while to get things to the way they used to be um, yeah. So there were a lot of people at that rally, or at least that's what they make it seem. So I guess there weren't, when they were filming it, there weren't actually that many people there. The The way they were able to do it is they they had like uh, thousands of extras or so, and they would place them in certain sections and film them, and then they'd take them all and put them in another section, but they would have them like mix up so that um, it doesn't look like they just took like one side of the screen and then put the exact same people there. They they mixed up the people who were wearing different colors, whatever, to make it look like it was like really all those people that were there. So that, that, that was kind of cool that they did that. Um, yeah, the the music in the film is really good. I the the soundtrack budget must have been through the roof. Um, there's there's so many songs from the Doors in it. I mean, I think there's like five different songs from the Doors played in like a half hour time frame. Um, I mean, we don't we don't hear the Beatles. You you would think we'd hear a Beatles song in it or something like that, but. Um, the reason behind that was uh, at the time 
Michael Jackson actually had the rights to the whole Beatles catalog, and it was very expensive to license Beatles music and put it in a movie. I think it still is, but you know, it's it's a little more affordable now. Really is just a classic movie, very rewatchable on TV all the time. It's one of those things where like you can just watch it in the middle of a a certain scene and you know not feel like you have to watch the beginning. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think the movie will uh, certainly age well. All right. Well, hey, thank you for watching this again. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, reflecting on a movie that uh, just uh, I feel like we uh, <laughs> we would have on during like random Sundays, whatever, when we were home. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching it, and thank you for having me. Of course. Well, hope you're staying safe, and uh, hopefully I'll see you uh, sometime by the end of 2020, I'm sure. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. All right. Thanks again.